What's up everybody, GenX Dividend Investor here. In this video I'll be answering some really interesting subscriber submitted dividend related questions. Then I'll show you how I lost almost 6 figures of portfolio value in one day this week. I like to share when I have down days in investing so you can understand the realities of market fluctuations which are sometimes your portfolio goes down and sometimes it goes down hard. But you won't see me freaking out and selling. The market could drop 50% tomorrow and again I wouldn't sell. Is that the right thing to do? That I can't answer. I can just tell you that I've been through multiple times where my portfolio has been down over 50% from its peak and I didn't sell. Finally, if you have any questions you would like to ask me, then follow me on Instagram at GenXDividendInvestor and send me your questions. This time I had many questions that were submitted, so I'm sorry if I didn't get to yours. Please be patient, or if you feel you got to talk to me, then consider signing up for my Patreon King service where I offer monthly 30-minute one-on-one private discussions where we can talk about whatever you like. Also, please don't forget to like this video as a simple way you can thank me for making it. And remember, I'm not a financial advisor, so take my communication always as entertainment only and not as a way to make financial decisions. Okay, the first question comes from Tony. He said, Thanks for all your videos on investing. As someone semi-new to investing, being able to learn from someone with lots of time and experience in the market has helped me on my investing journey. Just one quick question. Would a dividend investor be wise to sell a position at a loss so they could buy back for a greater yield than the original purchase price? You're welcome, Tony, and thank you for taking your time to watch my videos. It means a lot to me that you get value from something I'm so passionate about. The short answer to your question is no. I'll elaborate. Let's first talk about what yield on cost is so that everyone's on the same page. Your yield on cost for a stock is its current annual estimated income, which is your number of shares times how much it pays out per share per year in dividends, divided by your total cost to acquire those shares, including all commissions, any fees, any reinvested dividends, and any additional purchases of that stock you've made. Your total costs are also called your cost basis for that stock. Let's do an example. Pretend that in 2012 you bought 10 shares of J&J at $65 a share when the dividend was $0.57 cents per share per quarter, which equals $2.28 per share per year. Let's assume you had $20 in fees and commissions to do that trade. So your cost basis was 10 shares times $65 a share, which equals $650, plus $20 for the fees for a total of $670. Those 10 shares would pay you $22.80 in annual dividends, so your yield on cost would be $22.80 divided by the $670, which equals 3.4%. Now let's pretend 8 years go by and you aren't reinvesting your dividends. Instead, you're using that dividend income for something else. So you still only have 10 shares, but since J&J has been raising their dividend, they're now paying $1.01 per share per quarter, which equals $4.04 per share per year, which means your original 10 shares make you about $40.40 per year. So now your yield on cost is $40.40 divided by $670, which equals 6%. Now let's switch things up. Let's go back to the starting example where you bought 10 shares in 2012, but now let's pretend in 2015 you bought 5 more shares of J&J at $100 per share without any commissions this time, and J&J is paying $0.70 cents per share per quarter, which is $2.80 per share per year. So that costs you another $500, which is 5 shares at $100 per share. In 2015, J&J's yield was 2.8%, which is $2.80 divided by $100. Your new cost basis is the $670 you originally spent, plus $500 for this tranche, taking your cost basis up to $1,170. Now we saw that before this batch, your yield on cost was 6%. 
but now that you are buying a bunch of shares at a lower yield, it will lower your overall yield on cost. So now we have 10 plus 5 equals 15 total shares, and each one is dripping $2.80 per share per year, which equals $42 per year of dividend income, which means your new yield on cost is 3.6%. You can also calculate the average price you've paid for all your shares, which is your cost basis divided by the total number of shares. Your average price per share is $78 per share. You can calculate your yield on cost by taking the annual dividends paid out per share divided by your average share price, or in this case is 3.6%. So yield on cost increases when a company raises its dividend and it decreases when a company cuts its dividend. It also can change as you buy more shares over time or if you drip or etc. I feel that yield on cost can be a motivational tool to help you see your dividend growth strategy working out over time. Obviously it isn't looking at things like how much time has passed since your purchase or how inflation factors in. When people think of prolific yield on cost, they often think of Warren Buffett and his Coke purchase. He spent over a billion dollars in the 80s and 90s and got to around 400 million shares of Coke and each share of Coke drips $1.64 per year which means he is dripping $656 million per year. That means his yield on cost is now over 50%. Now that we understand yield on cost, I'll explain more why my answer to your question, Tony, was no, I wouldn't sell and then buy again to lower my cost basis. There are a ton of reasons why you might want to sell, like you need the money or you think there's a much better stock out there, or etc. I actually did a video on when to sell a stock if you want a more in-depth answer as to the various things that I think of before I'm going to sell a position. However, I don't think it would be wise to sell a position at a loss solely so you could try to drive your original yield up. To me, that's a bit like saying you bought your house for 400k, and then a year later Zillow estimates that it's only worth 300k, so should you sell your house and buy it again so your purchase price is cheaper? Now, obviously it's not exactly the same, and I understand that the essence of your question is more about the fact that you have heard that your starting yield on costs is important, so you should drive it down, even if that means selling at a loss. For me personally, I don't use the yield on cost as something I think about when I'm going to invest. I try to focus my thinking more around what I believe in the company's future. I like companies that keep on growing all their good metrics, like their earnings and the dividends they're paying out and their share price and such. Okay, let's move on. The next one comes from Austin. He said, Jen, I would love a video about crypto and your thoughts on its future. Thanks for the question, Austin. I think crypto is highly speculative, so I wouldn't encourage my kids to invest in it, and instead I would tell them to invest in solid blue chip quality companies or tech growth companies. That being said, I hold some Bitcoin and Ethereum, probably because I'm crazy. To me, crypto is almost like gambling, but one step better. I like the long-term potential I see for crypto. I could imagine a world where crypto continually gains more relevance. Will it ever become the dominant world currency? Doubtful. But I think crypto is going past the trough of disillusionment up the slope of enlightenment right now. Watch my video called How to Get Rich Using the Hype Cycle if you'd like to better understand what I'm talking about. So I'm okay speculating just a bit on it, though I don't call that investing. Okay, the next question comes from Twin Cherry. She said, one of my portfolios has 18K in it and I get about $80 to $100 a month in dividends. Is that good or bad? Thanks, Cherry. I first want to congratulate you for investing. That alone is awesome. Now, if you're making around $1,000 a year, then your portfolio's average weighted yield is 5.5%. For reference, mine is about 3.3%. So that tells me that you're a bit more aggressive than me with your stocks. But that isn't necessarily a good thing or bad thing. It just tells me you're less conservative than me. I have some stocks like AT&T, Exxon, and Chevron that are all over 5%. I'd recommend that you keep on learning about investing with books and videos and such. Be careful about YouTube because sometimes what you get there is more entertaining than educational. 
Okay, the next one comes from Connor Pugs, who has all the social media sites, including YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Check him out. He asked me what are the most important aspects of a good dividend stock. Well, in my video called How to Analyze a Dividend Stock in 60 Seconds, I call out the key things I look for. So important things I like to consider include, does it have a dividend and what is its current yield? How many consecutive years of dividend growth they've had? What their dividend cadre is and payout ratio? I also like to see growth in revenue, earnings, etc., along with manageable debt, amongst other things. The next question comes from Darth Dividend, who is on my Discord, is a nurse, and has a YouTube channel you should check out. I want to do a special call out and thank you to him for being in the medical profession during this pandemic. I think that's awesome that people like you are out there helping others. We've had fun talking about college football, beyond just talking about dividends. So he said, hey, I just wanted to first say I really appreciate your videos. They're extremely helpful and educational. You've helped me a ton in my investment journey. I wanted to suggest a topic or question you could answer in a video. I know you said you were planning on passing your portfolio to your kids and to create generational wealth. Could you go into more detail how this works, how you have things set up? Is it as easy as transferring your account into your kid's name? Does it automatically get sold and dispersed to them? Can they keep the portfolio as is and continue to contribute and somehow have the dividends split and deposit in their respective bank accounts? I would really like to teach my sons as they grow about investing and eventually pass along my portfolio to them as well, but I'm not sure about the logistics and legalities of the process. Thanks again and keep up the great work. Thanks, Darth. So as I mentioned in my video called The Time I Sold All My Stocks, I recently went to an estate lawyer to create my will. My understanding is that when your kids inherit your stocks, they don't usually have to pay tax on them until they are sold. But some states have inheritance taxes and some have estate taxes amongst others, so sometimes stocks might need to get liquidated to pay the taxes. I want to read a blurb from finance.zax.com about this. If you inherit stock, you will not have to pay capital gains taxes until you sell your shares. If you are liquidating stocks after death, you may owe capital gains, but the amount may be relatively insignificant if you sell them soon after receiving them as part of your inheritance distribution. That's because a stock's basis is its value on the day of the decedent's death. If the stock happened to make a lot of money in relatively short time since you inherited it, you'll pay short-term capital gains taxes at your marginal tax rate. Figure out the taxes owed by subtracting the stock's value on the day of the decedent's death, which is the basis, from the amount at which you sold it. The difference is your gain or loss. If you held the stock for less than a year, you pay the short-term capital gains tax. If you held the stock for more than a year, you pay long-term capital gains tax, which is a lower rate. So the good news is, to me, it seems like your kids get a step up in cost basis equivalent to the share price on the day you die, which is huge. Now, beyond going to a lawyer, I also set up my brokerage to name my wife and kids as primary and secondary beneficiaries. I found this picture on wealthfit.com, which depicts your taxable estate, which is your net worth. So when you calculate your net worth, you're supposed to add up all your assets, which includes the value of your home and other real estate, stocks, commodities, cash, etc. And then you subtract all your liabilities, like if you still own a mortgage or if you have car debt or whatever. Now, the article this picture is from says that the 2017 Tax and Jobs Act law says that the first $11.18 million you leave to your heirs may be transferred without owing any federal estate taxes. That obviously means that very few estates will owe federal taxes. That being said, some states have an estate tax and some have an inheritance tax, and Maryland has both. Really, Maryland? Why you gotta be that way? Note I said estate because my understanding is that the person inheriting the money isn't taxed, the estate is. What happens is that the estate's executor, or person in charge of distributing and dealing with the assets of the deceased, should attempt to pay off the taxes using assets within the estate, which might mean some of the estate needs to be sold off to raise the cash. 
Anyways, there can be a slew of tax complexities, so definitely don't take this as accurate tax or financial advice, and talk to a professional if you need to know what is accurate. Okay, this next message is from David. He said, Hi GenX, this is for consideration for your YouTube monthly questions video. I'm really impressed by your channel and message and it has inspired me to want to transition my portfolio to dividend pairs so I will have income for my future. That is where my question comes in. I'm 42 years old and this is only dealing with my individual account, not my 401k. I have about $250,000 invested mostly in growth companies, some of which I've been invested for 10 or more years, and those some of which I'm up thousands of percent on, and others hundreds of percent. So my question is, would your opinion be to start selling some of these huge gainers I've had and use that capital to slowly start building into a dividend portfolio, or leave them alone and start my dividend portfolio from scratch? I hope this finds you well and thanks in advance. Thanks for the nice words, David. That's awesome. First of all, congratulations. It sounds like you're doing really well. Part of my answer would depend on your time horizon. If you're thinking of retiring soon and you want some sort of recurring income, then I would more strongly consider quality blue chip dividend companies. That being said, it might suck to get hit with the tax bill. Also, if you feel you have great growth companies which will keep on running, then it's not a bad idea to let them keep growing while you start diversifying some disposable income into dividend stocks. Great problems to have, keep it up. The next question comes from Emi. She said, is it still possible to hit 1 million? I'm 53 years old and currently have $138,000 invested in stocks. Planning to retire at 62 or 65. What have I to do to reach that goal? Well, if we go to a compound interest calculator on MoneyChimp, we see that if you're starting with 138,000 and we assume you work until 65 and you invest about $2,700 a month or about $32,000 a year, and we assume you get around 8% returns, you would finally hit your million dollars. Now that's a lot obviously to be saving. I would ask yourself if you really need a million. If you downsize once you retire and if you're getting some social security and you're relatively healthy, do you think you'll really need a million? I'll put a link to the calculator in the description of this video so you can play with inputting various numbers on your own. The next question comes from Gio. He said, Hey, I'm the one guy who commented about Oxy a few days ago. Anyway, I just had a question. But when someone says the market will return an 8% return on investment, what is meant by that? Is that just the dividends being collected or does that include the overall growth of the portfolio due to the stock prices going up? Great question. I think when most people say that the market will return 8% on an investment, they mean that on average, when you include stock appreciation and dividends, that funds like SPY, which is an ETF that is designed to track the S&P 500 stock market index, will return 8% every year. Let's take a look at Dividend Channel's Total Return Drip Calculator, which I'll include a link to in the description of this video. Let's see what $10,000 invested in SPY from 2005 to now would do. So the top chart is if you reinvested dividends, the bottom is if you didn't. We see that the top on average annual return would be 8.2% per year if you reinvested dividends, and on the bottom we see your average annual return would be 7.2% if you didn't reinvest dividends. So you can see about where the 8% comes from when people say the market will return 8%, i.e. they're talking about stock appreciation combined with the dividends. Okay, the next question comes from Jay. He said, Hi, great content. Subscribe to your channel. I'm trying to create my ETF portfolio using M1 Finance. The dividend yield is different than the actual yield. Like my total ETF portfolio yield is close to 4%, but M1 says it's around 2.7%. Can you please let me know why it's doing this? Thanks, Jay. My guess is that M1 is showing your weighted average portfolio dividend yield, and you personally are using your average dividend yield. What I mean is, my guess is that you're looking at the yield for each of your stocks and then averaging them, whereas M1 is weighing stocks that are a larger position of your portfolio more than they are the smaller ones. Here, I'll show you an example, and if you still have any questions after this, then jump on my Discord and I'll see if I can help you out more. 
I put this spreadsheet together to illustrate the differences between average and weighted average. I'll include a link to it in the description of this video if you would like to check it out. You can go in and do a file copy if you want to make a private copy on your own Google Drive that you can edit, as my version is read-only. Let's pretend you had 20 shares of Microsoft, each of which has a dividend yield of 1.09%, and you had 20 shares of Altria, each of which is at a high 8.59% yield as of today. So in this example, we see that Microsoft is about 83% of your portfolio value and Altria is only 17%. If you average the dividend yield of each row without looking at the portfolio value of each, then your dividend yield average would be 4.84%, i.e. if you added 1.09%, 8.59% and divide by 2. That's not the right way to do it, of course. If you factor in that you have much more Microsoft than Altria, and Microsoft's yield is a lot lower than Altria's, then you find out that your weighted average yield is 2.38%, which is kind of what you want to look at. One easy way you can calculate your portfolio's average weighted yields is to divide how much it drips in a year by the portfolio value. So my guess is that M1 is showing your weighted average dividend yield, and you are just calculating a normal average. Okay, now onto my portfolio. So I took this snapshot on the close of the market on Thursday because I wanted to show you what a red day looks like in a 7-figure dividend portfolio. Now I'll zoom in a bit so you can see more. So as you can see I'm down over 80 grand on paper from where I was the day before. I show you this because I want you to see down days and not just hear about the up days. So if you are someone who just started out, maybe with $500 in the market and you are down $100, you might be freaking out. My two cents would be that if you've invested your money in quality, then a couple decades from now you'll probably be way, way up from where you are today, so don't stress about it. Your future self will thank you. Finally, these videos take a lot of time and energy for me to create, so liking my video is a simple way you can thank me. Please subscribe if you haven't done yet, and consider checking out my Patreon page and my affiliate links in the description of this video. Speaking of Patreons, I'd first like to call out Zem, who upgraded from a champion to an aristocrat, which means that he now has access to a private invite-only channel on my Discord where he helps influence what videos I do, he gets to vote on which thumbnail I use, and he gets to watch my videos before they go out to the general public. I also give priority to chatting with and answering questions from my aristocrats and kings on all my social media platforms, whether it's YouTube, Discord, Instagram, Twitter, or in my podcasts. And it also means that once I release my 2.0 dividend spreadsheet, that he'll be able to use it for a service as long as he remains an aristocrat or king. I also want to call out Itzik, who was also upgraded from a champion to an aristocrat. That's an Instagram picture of him. I've had fun getting to know Itzik. Now, don't take this as an absolute fact, but it's rumored that Itzik dated Gal Gadot. That's right, you heard it here first. Now, he won't confirm that, but he did confirm that he used to see her at a coffee shop they both used to frequent, and if I know Itzik, that means he had a lot more than coffee. In fact, he sent me this pic of her on Discord. I'm guessing that was a casual pic he took of her on the balcony of the Ritz in Paris after a night of passionate lovemaking. Too much info? Not enough info, if you ask me. It's just upgraded to a dividend aristocrat today. Which reminds me, I have a limited number of seats left for my highest tier of Patreon, so consider joining now if you'd like a spot. I'd also like to call out Yogru, who became a champion. He recently got busy in real life and was away for a bit, and a bunch of people were asking me where Yogru went, so it's great to see him back again. Finally, I'd like to thank Getty Loader, who just became a champion. Getty has been awesome to have on my Discord server. He works at a dairy farm in the Pacific Northwest, and I love my milk. Honestly, who eats sweets without milk? For those that don't know, I run the world's largest free dividend Discord chat server, and the last time I checked we had over 3200 dividend investors on it, and it's growing all the time. The link is in the description below if you'd like to join. Trust me, you will love it. If you'd like to ask me a question and potentially be highlighted in my next Ask Gen X video, then follow me on Instagram and DM me your question. Thanks, and I'll leave you with this quote from Zig Ziglar, an American author, salesman, and motivational speaker.
What you get by achieving your goals is not as important as what you become by achieving your goals. Thank you if you watch all the way to the end, and I'll chat with you again real soon. I am not a financial advisor, and these videos are for entertainment, inspiration, and educational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk. I am only sharing my opinion with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments.